Tonight's show is brought to you by Triton Dynamics. Have you ever wanted to work on the cutting edge of technology? Whether it's the advanced Kaser armor-piercing gun or the legendary Arrhenius special operations fighter, Triton Dynamics pushes technology to its limits and beyond. The Terran Vasudan Alliance is looking for new tools to help fight the latest Shivan incursion and could use your help to develop them. If you have a background in engineering or technical design, Triton Dynamics wants to talk to you. Contact us today to find out how you can help keep the Shivans at bay and secure the future of humanity and Vasudan alike. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. This week's show brought to you by the letter X and the number four. Ooh, <laughs> not in that order. And your co-host, Hunter. Hi, I'm here. What's up? <laughs> yeah, Hunter, you have no pressure to be funny every week like Jim does. He, he, nope, needs, a qu- nope. he needs a quip. You just need to be here. I'm here. Let's go. And, and, and joining, us, <laughs> joining us uh, from Ontario, Canada, and San Jose, California, are Sven Olson, programmer and co-designer, hey. and Jim Francis, artist and co-designer Hello. of Ashtar Games. And we are here to talk about their upcoming 4, 4X game, Stars in Shadow. Hi, guys. Good to be here. Now, I apologize. I'm probably going to say Star in Shadows or Stars in Shadows like a million times because that my brain just wants to put an S at the end of everything in this. I don't know why. <laughs> That's why I wrote it wrong earlier. So I apologize for that. As long as it's spelled right now. It's Can we call it Master of Shadows? No. That'd, that'd be, be No. Okay. That's too close. That's you can do SIS. SIS is maybe. SIS. Sis, it sounds like something like your doctor tells you you have. You have SIS, mm. and uh, and there's treat there's treatment, but it's experimental, <laughs> and uh, we're not sure if it works on humans. Um, test it with rats. No, I- I'm a little I'm a little warped today. Don't mind me. Um, so thank you for joining us, guys. You guys have a four X in the works. A very colorful, I might add, four X. A lot of four Xs are kind of dour. These days, you know, they're kind of dark and kind of like serious. Serious. It's so so pretty, Brian. In the grim dark future, yes. No, we are we are not grim dark. We are more (laughs) more cheerful. Very vibrant. A little cute. Yeah. In the in the dark future, there is only vibrant colors to (laughs) utilize the majority of the palette, but mostly blue. So that's the our space is blue, not black. So there you go. Which is nice. Which is you nice. could have called it Blue Space. It could have. That would have been another another possible name. That sounds like a like a like an alternate dimension type travel thing. They slipped into Blue Space, sir. Yeah. <laughs> quasi space. Yeah. They've gone to yeah, Plaid. Quasi space. Yeah. Quasi space was green, wasn't it? I don't remember. I think it was. Quasi space was the hyperspace, the ultra hyperspace from Star Control Two. Was it? God. Quasi space was awesome. It's been so long since I played that game. I'll be perfectly honest. You need to replay it. It's very replayable. It only takes two or three hours if you. Know <laughs> yeah, only two or three hours if you just want to get to the first space station. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's as long as. It so, takes. so that's why we don't see uh, Star Control Two speed runs. <laughs> I've done them without saves, just just end to end. What? Two hours. No. 
that can't, yep. no. You just have to no. know where you're going. I mean, a lot mm. of the game is exploring, so if, if you know where you're trying to get to. I suppose that's true. I suppose if you know all the stuff, that's true. I'll be honest. When I first played Star Control 2, and, and don't worry about it. We, we go on tangents on this show all the time. So I'm we'll, we'll, we'll get to your game. Don't you worry. <laughs> but when I, when I first played Star Control 2, I was like, this is too much like Starflight. And I just went back to Starflight. So I never even finished Star Control 2. Because... You missed a lot. The world building was incredible. The writing no, was I played a fantastic. lot of it, but I don't finish games very often, and mm. this is just one of those I didn't finish. I've never. Yeah, finished. but lucky for you, you can pick up Urquan Masters, which is a fan oh, yeah. reboot. Right. It's pretty well done. <laughs> so, about Stars and Shadow. Now, I'm seeing here in the lower uh, left that there's a copyright, and it says 2010. You've been working on this game for almost six years now? Well, 2010 is when <clears throat> when I started going something like full time. I mean, it's been a it's been a hobby for longer than that. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> there are pieces of the code that date back to like 2000, um, roughly. Wow. You know, when I was still in college and was just messing around with C plus plus and trying to figure out how to build the engine. So, um, yeah. It, it's it's a long running project, and Jim's been involved since about two thousand and seven, um, which was when I was I was trying to do a sort of simple proof of concept mock up of an engine that would be kind of like the tactical engine for Mass of Orion two, um, and I realized it didn't have a spaceship, um, and I figured well I could draw a spaceship myself, but then I would end up with an ugly looking demo. Um, so there was this guy who had this web comic that I thought was awesome called Outsider. Um, and I saw on his website that he occasionally did commissions. So I sent him an email saying, um, will you draw me a spaceship? Um, and now, eight years later, <laughs> Jim has drawn It took a hell of a long time to draw that spaceship. <laughs> I'm really slow. <laughs> Do you want to draw spaceships? spaceships? Also, planets, also, yeah. Um, and uh, Jim, as uh, some of you... If you if you go to his website, you'll see Jim has a lot of opinions about strategy games. Um, mm. What's your website? What is our Jim? Interesting. <laughs> what's what, what's your website? I, I am uh, not opinionated. Mr. What's your I, website, I Mr. That. Francis? It's, what's your website, uh, Mr. Francis? Throw it out there. Plug it. It's wellofsouls.com with the dash. Wellofsouls.com. Well, that's full of, full of, of full of snakes. Wait, say again. Well of souls. <laughs> if you Google well of souls, you'll find it. Well okay, well, remember that. I'll take a note. And if you if you guys are into mods, like the Homeworld Shipyard site was hosted by Jim, still is host, hosted by Jim, um, and was one of the first big fan sites for Homeworld. Um, mm. no, never heard of it. <laughs> never heard of Homeworld. <laughs> was that some kind of strategy game? I'm it not was sure. Some kind of space strategy. Oh game. God, Martin's yeah. going to roll in here any second now. We've summoned you him. guys. You guys are kidding me. Excited. Uh, I'm a big fan of Homeworld. Sorry. Yeah, but, you know, Hunter, you know Hunter is our. Hunter is our resident Homeworld fanatic. You know, tomorrow's the day, right? Isn't that when the, the sands of dad died? Yeah, shitbreakers or whatever they... I, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see because we've heard things, and now it looks like it came together. I've but, played it. Really? And how yeah. did it come together? Did you get your press I've, thing today? I've I've only done a I've only done a skirmish mission, but it's basically homeworld on the ground. 
And, well, and... the thing that the thing that they were saying was, as I was watching the, the videos for it, what, that made it interesting is they wanted to have the feel of Homeworld from the navigation perspective, but it's easier mm. to play because instead of being in a th- 3D like playing field, yeah. you're on a 2D plane. I would say they've nailed that. So, yeah. are salvage so. corvettes still like crazy overpowered, or did they fix that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't don't lead them farther off topic, man. <laughs> so, so I have stars a, and shadow. I have a stars, stars and, and shadow question here because we've we've Woo! already said the art looks amazingly great. It really um, does. The the thing that kind of worries me in here, right, is whenever you go to the app store or Steam or, you know, wherever, and and a lot of people, you know, with mobile stuff. So whenever you see a game that has really nice cartoon-style art, it's Mm. generally one of those, like, Farmville things or something, right? Um. So so it's kind of like I glance and I see, like, oh, God, freemium hell, and my brain (laughs) shuts off, right? So And and I'm afraid, because this is actually a hardcore 4X. It's not not like a, a... you know the play school version it's this game's it's legit so i'm i'm wondering if it looks too good like you might have to <laughs> ugly it up some <laughs> well if, if we're too pretty i think we'll just have to live with that uh, yeah no i'm 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 all right with that as a potential problem okay. we'll figure it out eventually hmm. so um so basically you guys have been working on this for ages. Now, how did the where did the idea come from? How, and uh like what do you like I'm going to be honest, there are a lot of spacey 4X games right now, which is not a problem we thought we'd have 4 or 5 years ago when I started my site. I'll be honest with you, but there are a lot of them out there right now. So what do you think differentiates this one in your in in your opinion? What do you think differentiates your game from the other 4X space games that are trying to vie for our attention right now. Well, I mean, you've already told us one of the obvious answers, which is the art style, right? This is true. Um, I mean, it, it has a different mood. and um, This is true, too. After spending five years working on one of these things, like, um, the feature list doesn't matter to me as much. Like, I'm, I'm realizing mm. that there's all of these little decisions that you make when you're putting together a game like this. Um, it's not just, is it turn-based or is it real-time? It's um, how exactly does the um, does the UI for moving population around work? And um, it's not even, um, you know, is it a hardpoint system or is it a space-based system that you're using when you're designing starships? It's how exactly is that implemented and how is it balanced and how is it tied to the tech tree? And um, so... Um, you know, I think it's great that there are so many different games um, mm-hmm. in this genre coming out right now. It's and I think ours definitely has its own voice. It has its own character, um, and I I like it. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good voice. It's a pretty good character. Um, if if I can interject, uh, one of the things that I've been disappointed in in a lot of the recent uh, other Space Forex games that have come out is that they've had great feature lists. But uh, they don't play that well. Um, well, not only that, but they feel soulless. Yeah, they feel like, oh, we're gonna try and make Master of Orion two, but tweak like one little thing, and it'll be like better or something. I mean, it is it is a tough. Fun- I I do sympathize with any developer of a forex game because they have that line they need to walk because people want like the familiarity of a, of like a Master of Orion two type thing, but not. 
Well, I think we're I think where it comes down to, right? And yeah. and I want to I want to because of this, I want to go down this rabbit hole kind of deep. Um, oh. is okay, so the game looks good and the mm-hmm. UI actually makes sense, which is scary. Oh, it's it's a great and, UI. Let me just throw that in. Fantastic UI. I I'm an, I'm a UI nut. You guys have made Really sexy UI. I just want to yeah, throw that out there. Thank you. It's 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 because UI is so fucking important when you have so much shit to juggle, and so many games just don't understand that. Well, and the, it, and the thing uh, is, it's like we said about colors, right? So there's good use of color in the mm-hmm, UI, um, mm-hmm. and there's very easy iconography. You know, it's like a wrench is a wrench, and a coin's a coin, and a mm-hmm. ear of corn's an ear of corn, and and it looks great, right? Like mm-hmm. I I can't point to another UI. Like, um, if, if you talk about, like... Um, uh, Preach it, brother, man. Preach it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of the uh, endless space. There. Um, if, if you look at endless space, endless space is like the other game that has a nice, clean UI. But even so, it's a little muddy compared to this. Alright? So so this is this is like a bold and clear and very interpretable UI, right? Nobody's going to struggle with this. If they do, then you didn't need them anyway. Um, but the thing, once you get past the usability, right, and the and the prettiness, then we talk about how smart the AI is as an opponent. Um, and does this thing, it does multiplayer, right? I know local, but does it do across the internet? Will it? Oh, no, it does not do multiplayer. No, because um, oh, I saw I could put a second human player in. Oh, you can, but they're human, the species, not human as in... Oh, human. <laughs> you're, you're confusing faction with... Um, uh, okay. I mean, maybe we should even change the name of that, call them humanity, just so it's, it's particularly obvious um, that it's not human mode. Um, no, we could do multiplayer. The, the, the guts of the engine are designed to eventually allow multiplayer, and I really quite like the multiplayer community that's built up around um, um, around Sword of the Stars, uh, which I mm. participated in a little, but um, the, f- the release version of the game isn't going to have it. Um, if we're moderately successful and has time for an expansion, there'll be an expansion that'll unlock multiplayer. Okay, so so then it falls even more so into the AI thing, right? Because the the thing that kills me is like I'll play I'll play a game like uh, I'm playing you know Star Drive or something, and the the AI will come over and take like a scout and probe my system, right? And he dies, of course, because I have a giant fleet. So the next turn he sends another one, and then the next turn mm-hmm. he sends like you know, like a couple transports and it's like, wait, dude, what are you doing? What <laughs> you the know? hell are you doing? Yeah. AI? He's like yeah. pitching them down a hole and, and, it, and it's like, or, you know, you just watch the AI do some dumb shit in mm-hmm. some of these games <laughs> and they're triple a games and just stupid stuff happens. Like, I, I mean, uh, you know, if we'll never have Brad Wardell on here after I say this, but, <laughs> but you know, like even, even with, uh, Stardock stuff, I watch the AI do ridiculous shit. And th- now they come along and patch it, you know, like uh, months later it gets smarter. But And then we had uh, just very recently with um, Pandora, there there was a fan of that who went in and just did a complete reboot of the AI. And then they picked that up and made it an official patch and then put some other stuff with it. So it, it seems like the thing, like once you get past everything else, the, the place 
people are going to just rip you apart is AI. So explain to me why that's not going to happen. Well, I think it was Brad Wardell himself who was saying that uh, 90% of the players never go harder than easy on the AI. And so AI is not that important. Um, Yeah, but if it does nonsensical shit, even at easy, it's going to break my my disbelief, right? Yeah. I don't agree with what Mr. Wardell said, but um, so there are two aspects to AI that I think are important. One is that it presents a challenge, and that's something that we think is very important. And I think even though there's a lot of more work to do, I, I think right now it does present a producing challenge. But okay. the other one is to make it behave in interesting ways. What, one of the issues with uh, games like Endless Space or Endless Legend is that they're primarily uh, multiplayer games. So the mm. diplomacy system kind of is built around having a human player. And so the AI has to act like a real human. Can you get a little closer to your mic? I'm, you're quite soft for me. Sorry, trying to. Is everyone else hearing me? Okay. Um, I can hear you. Right. You're a little soft, but I can. Right. I, I can understand you. Yeah. I'll try to speak up. No um, so, uh, we we want uh, our AI players to play like they don't know they're in a game. We want them to role play a little bit, and so uh, we have a, a diplomacy and event system that tries to make them do interesting things that make sense in the game world, as opposed to being human players who are inevitably going to attack. So, so you've got a, we're working on a diplomacy yes. event system that makes yes. right. So, like a so you've got race. like a personality to each of the races where they act as their traits are, right? So, you know, if there's if there's one race that's kind of cowardly, they're just going to do that, right? And the and, and again, this this diplomacy right now, they're, you're basically just either at war or at peace with someone. But uh, in the diplomacy and event system that we're putting into the game. Um, there will be a lot of things to interact over as opposed to uh, will you trade me some uh, shiny things or oh, shall, that's we, good. shall we go to war? So yeah, and, and that, was a, that was a place where Star Drive 2, which Star Drive 2 of, of Master of Orion 2 clones, I think Star Drive 2 is probably the best of them that's out right now. Um, but he took a beating because of the diplomacy because it's basically like the AI walks up and says, hello, friend die you know yeah. and then you have like a giant battle fleet like fall on you two turns later like that you know <laughs> as soon as you meet anybody they're going for your throat and then and, four and turns it, later we're your friend again what yeah, yeah well because they ran out of money um so it's much, yeah. much like the united states foreign policy but um yeah it, it's it's just that thing you know of of like okay i met somebody shoot to kill Right, and, yeah, I, and that's kind of to some degree. The problem may be that the AI is too good, um, as as Jim was saying. It's behaving like it's a it's a player that knows that it's in a game and it's trying to win. Um, it's not a sort of NPC that's role playing a bit. Um, mm. so... Yeah, and you'll also get like you know the AI if they're if they're smart and they play like a human player. What you're going to have happen, it, much like whenever we were talking about Star Nomad two last week. Um, is as soon as one faction starts to win, all the other factions forget about fighting each other and turn to wipe out the guy that just got strong, right. which will be the player every time, right? So right. then then you end up buried. Sounds yeah, like every cool. time I play um, Settlers of Catan. <laughs> yes, every which is time. a great game against other people, but would not be nearly as much fun against computers because, yeah, you want different things um, if you're playing um, a game of this sort rather than a... Uh, short Euro game. 
So you could right. put, so you could potentially have a race in here that just wants to be friends, right? And they'll just be friendly with anybody until somebody starts shooting at them, kind of thing, right? And you, you know, you could d- just do yeah, like that, whatever. That's basically how the Fidi are going to behave. That sort of our approach, and they're going to have certain perks. So you know, they're happy to talk to pirates, and um, um, their reaction to a pirate face is lovely. Um, why don't we establish trade relations and you can um, you can sell us whatever awesome things you have collected in the, the course of your career as pirates and then you can hire their ships as mercenaries and um, you sort of play as um, the ancient Carthaginians did and with their Numidian light cavalry yeah. and so on. I gotta uh, say I really like um, the apparent work and detail that has gone into each of the uh, seven races in this game. You know, yeah. like I, I, the first game I played, I tried playing as the Grimac Empire. I don't know why I liked them. They they had the they had the uh, distortion field that looked neat. I just chose yep. them. I just chose Tragically, them. Tragically, the distortion field not working right now. But... <laughs> yeah. Right, it remains they a do look neat. Item, but it, I mean, the animation looked neat, and they got a short range torpedo. I thought that was neat, but they also like have a aristocracy. Doggy dog, you know, uh, pol- internal politics. I really like that. But um, then I saw, like, oh, I should be playing the Orthon because I'm always into a sciencey character, like a sciencey race, and they apparently generate more science. Uh, those are the ones I probably want to go with. But I love what you've done with humanity. Like in so many games, humanity is like the Federation, you know, yeah. or whatever, you know. Not this game. They're a bunch of asshole nomads, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to give. It's always fun to give the human player a little bit more of an extreme character, and they have kind of a special and especially difficult start in that they don't even have a home world. So they, uh, this is kind of the hard mode uh, faction where, depending on the start, you could have a really difficult time if you happen across a, a good planet right away, which is and unfortunate. You, and you know why they don't have a home world, right? It's because it's a- Donald Trump got elected in 2016. Uh. And... All we know is that Earth was uh, probably destroyed, and we don't know why. That could be it. <laughs> so, speaking of speaking of planets, I'm looking at one of the planets right now, um, and I've got to say, I'm really impressed with the layering effects that you have on the mm-hmm. planets. Mm. Um, yeah, we have uh, land and cloud layers, and then we have various uh, kinds of city lights that you'll see both actually on the day side and the nighttime side, depending on how densely populated. And, yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at a glacier planet right now, which is like the top and bottom half of are all frozen over, and it's got like this midsection that's kind of opened up. And uh, I'm really impressed with just how... Um, yeah, that's Verald. You, you've, yeah, that, that's, that's correct. Um, that's the one I'm looking at. And it, I'm just really impressed with the way it, you've made the depth of like the layers look. Just with the detail and and the art design, I think that's really cool. The engine does up mapping, so that helps make it look a little bit. You know where I would love to see the graphics from this. If you pick these up and and take them to a game like Star Nomad Two or something, where you know, because that that game it looks nice, right? But it but if you took these kind of planets and these kind of ships and stuff and made like a two D just you know space exploring game out of that. which I mean, you're already going to have the assets, right? When you're done with this, so come come see me. We'll do something. <laughs> now, yeah. um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, I'm about to say something I almost shouldn't advertise, but the truth is that there are modders and students and so on who have approached us about wanting to do exactly that. Um, and I have said, and this is perhaps not the wisest thing to say, uh, sure, <laughs> as long as it's as long as it's not for profit. Um, like I, as a young student, was very frustrated by how hard it was to find good free assets to make um, science fiction games of various sorts. So I said, mm-hmm. sure. Um, as long as you give us credit, as long as it's non-commercial, you can use it. You can have, you can do anything with it. Um, and there was actually a fairly successful and fairly um, widely seen mod for a game called um, Star Sector that was done under those terms, which is basically oh. a two D um, exploration game. And yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Yes. Um, so I, I still haven't played it. It's, it's still technically an alpha, one of these endlessly alpha games. Um, and um yeah so 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 you can actually right now use this art in um a quite polished 2D exploration game you're right you probably shouldn't have said that <laughs> uh, would that be the trouble. sequel would that be the sequel like you're a mercenary in this universe that'd be fun i mean there's endless endless interesting things that you can do but yeah props to star sector props to the um Oh, that game is coming work. along slowly but nicely, but so slowly. Do you know, but you know what game would be completely fixed by art like this? Is Distant Worlds. If you could just mm. put this art in Distant Worlds. Well, wait a minute. Don't do that, because then I don't need this game. Never mind. <laughs> well, I need, to, I need to play Distant Worlds. If you have that, that positive an impression of the mechanics. Oh, Distant Worlds is... Um, pretty much my favorite 4X because it just gets so much, like... My favorite parts of the, the 4X are the first two, exploration and expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not uh, uncommon. And, and Distant Worlds just gets that... Just fucking nails it. Sorry. Well, the thing, the thing about Distant Worlds is that it's an ant farm. And you yeah. can sit there and just watch that world work. And transport ships go places... And pirates attack them, and then the military comes and deals with that, and just everything's automated in all the empires. And then you go in and say, "I want to take control of this planet and that ship," and you know, and and just like bite size, just as much game as you can handle. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to be emperor and sit in the throne, then you can just turn advisors on for everything, and they come ask you. You know, it's like, "Hey, we're thinking about some ships. Is that okay? Approve or disapprove?" And you just thumbs up, thumbs down their plans. Um, or you can go completely insane mode and actually micro everything. Uh, I don't know anybody that does that. <laughs> so, but you get you know you. See, get I'd to probably choose. try because I'm an idiot and I wouldn't enjoy the game as a as a result. Um, that's a good high level summary. So play it as a simulation, just standing back from the controls. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can just engage with it in whatever way you want. If you just want to be the scientist that controls the research and just let the Empire do what it does with what you decide to research, I mean, you can influence events that way. So it's just like any pick any job in the government and you take it or the whole thing. So it's, it's pretty neat. It's well, it's like 60 bucks for the, which, which is actually a bargain strangely enough because if you got the game plus all the expansions it was like what 200 and some dollars yeah right? i paid for yeah. them when they came out yeah yeah so now it's the it's the the you know the wad of here's everything 60 bucks yeah. and it goes on sale sometimes which is odd for a slithering t- title <laughs> um 
Yeah. But anyway. All right, so I'm about to start a new game, and I'm looking at the settings here. Now, you have the usual, like, pick a faction, pick a difficulty. What are some of the advanced map settings it says to do, to do, to do? What are some of the advanced map settings that you are planning for this game? <laughs> well, let's say, should it be me or Jim who does that one? Because Jim has perhaps more ideas than I do. Um, uh, I... I... <laughs> I, 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 this is something we haven't uh, touched in a little while, and I have a list somewhere, but uh, yeah. I can't think of that many off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, kind of the standard. Yeah, there's a list. Are... I mean, the two obvious ones are, um, are are some kind of raging barbarians option. So right now, um, the map is seeded um, with varying numbers of NPCs. Um, and varying numbers of epic star systems and varying numbers of um, special events of various sorts. Uh, when the event system goes into the game, there's going to be varying numbers of um, of events of of different types. And so all of those will have uh, their canonical values of you know how dense the NPCs are or um, how rare it is to find a really awesome star system. Um, but uh, there will be some buttons in advanced settings that let you mess with that to some degree. Um, we don't want to give you too much control. Um, I think there's an interesting line with the map settings between uh, the point at which you're you're giving people different interesting options and the point at which you're sort of asking them to be modders for your game. Um, I, I think games like sort of the stars go a little far in terms of giving you a slider of, you know, change all the economic outputs by um, uh, by 152% or something, and then it's, it's just a different game. Um, but in so much as we can identify a few modes that um, um, change gameplay in ways that we think is neat and maybe not quite canonical, um, we'll, we'll put buttons in that advanced settings menu. Nice. Very nice. Um... So I've started a game as the um, Orthan. the little insect fellows. What are their names? Orthan. 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 And um, I already like their ship designs. See, one thing I love about, one thing I'm really enjoying about this game are the varied ship designs. But I can't seem to find a way to edit them. All do right, ships so... do, do ships get upgraded when uh, you can? Uh, edit. Oh, okay, a... go ahead. At the top of the screen, there's a uh, hammer and wrench icon. Uh-huh. Oh, there it is. There it is. I was I mean, wondering where that... Places. Yeah, so up next to Stardate, there's one. And then also, In the um, when menu. you're building ships, if you hover over them, there's a, uh, there's a button that's another hammer wrench oh. that'll take you into the ship designer. Okay, I totally missed that. That's so my again, fault. You're only going to see the holes that you know how to research, which is not very many. But yeah, because right. you're at the start of the game. You can right, edit all the uh, ship hulls, and you can create new designs. You can have multiple designs for the same hull, etc. Very cool. All right, I was wondering about that because I was like, in the last game I was playing, I was researching new technology. I'm like, what do I do with these? But now I know. So um, <laughs> now I'm in a game, very beautiful, very colorful, nice varied universe with big with lots of stars. And I gotta say again, love the UI. You got the planetary report. And you can just get a, at a glance what your planets are doing. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then you just click on one. Ooh, I, got, I want them to build this and queue up that and blah, blah, blah. Oh, there's a thing on the right with all the messages I've got to do. I'll just deal with them one by one. 
And oh, on the bottom, I love the thing on the bottom. Like here's my here's our fleet. You, you're not even taken off the map. Like here's everything right here. You know, you're not even taken off the map. Like you click a system. Here are the planets. You know, you could just tell. You can just click a planet. You click on a fleet. Here are the ships. You know, boom, and it's all down here in the bottom. Doesn't take you out of the map. Doesn't break immersion. It's really nice. I just gotta say. I'm glad you like it. I really do. Now, one thing, can I make a suggestion? Oh, yeah, go right ahead. Uh, not many games do this, and I wish they did, where there was a way where if nothing happened for a turn, like ships are moving and things are building, but there's no messages or nothing, it just keeps skipping turns until something happens. That, that could be, uh, I think that would be an option. Civilization Four and earlier versions had that, which which I liked. Um, yes, yes, yes. That's exactly. I think that's where I was thinking of it from because I love that. Yeah, but you yeah, know, it's not a hard. You don't thing want to add actually. The problem though is like you don't want stuff to just fly past and then, well, and right. then have some regret, like oh shit, I wish I could have intercepted something that you know. So it it would have to like as soon as you see an enemy unit move or something, then it would have to stop and be like, okay, do you want to deal with that? Yeah. But, no unknown but, ships turning up on the radar would have to count as a, an event that would stop the auto turning. Yeah. yeah. In Civ 4, it was good because it was something you could do in the early game and then you could switch it off when you uh, didn't need it anymore. But also it would, uh, it would only do it uh, if you didn't, if you basically didn't move anything. Um, and as, there was a difference between how they did it in Civ 4 and Civ 5. It was good in Civ 4, and in Civ 5 it was not good, because it would actually you would have to jump in and stop it or, before it went to the next turn. Exactly. But in Civ you know 4, what? it was fantastic. I think Master of Orion 2 might have done it as well, but I think those like the few games that do it. You know, there's, there's two points at which these games kind of drag ass, right? Is at the very beginning, when you have like a planet and a ship, and then you have to wait, like, okay, it'll be five turns to get over there and look at that yeah, star and, you're just and sort see. Yeah, clicking, waiting yeah. to see what happens. And then whenever you get toward the the late game, then it also kind of is that if nobody's duking it out, right? Because you're going to have things that have build cues of like 150 turns or something, and you're and you're just kind of there, like click, 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 click on the next turn thing, waiting on something to happen, and. I don't know the the whole the build queue system, which is a staple of the genre. Um, but I don't know. There's there's some games that are just kind of like, do you have the money? Just buy it, right? So you know, it's it's not like you have to wait on the queue to to grind down. It would just be like, do you have the money? Do you have the materials? Done. Yeah. Well, we, and, we 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 do have the buyout feature currently as well. Yeah. Although, <clears throat> there there are metal metal requirements for. In addition to just uh, production requirements, there's also some other resource requirements. So you have to have those resources as well as the cash to buy something. Oh, so would that be like I have to discover like dilithium crystals on the map somewhere and own that resource, and then it's I can make the thing? Uh, no, I mean, right now the resource um, is just metal. So uh, you can build mines anywhere. Oh, okay, uh, some gotcha. planets are better than others. Um, and if you dig into the planet, the planet descriptions, you'll see uh, which ones are better for mining. Uh, so if you click, like, um, just close the, um, the ship choice and just click on back of us, you'll see uh, what's on back of us for in terms of its its metal production. I think it's a normal metal world. Oh, okay. Uh, 
See, I wonder in a game like this, and and I don't I don't Click think it would, I don't think it would fit in in with what you're doing, right? So don't go back and retool this. But if you gave the player a pool of starting resources, like okay, here's here's a million credits, right? And then you can actually click to explore some planets at a price. And and this is all like first turn. Like show me that one, show me that one, show me that one. Okay, colonize that one, colonize that one. Put a factory and a lab here and a whatever. And you just burn out that money, right? In the in the very first turn, and then you start the game. So it's almost like an accelerated start, but you got yeah. to seed your stuff yourself. Yeah, that would be some some kind of option. I mean, if if we were to do something like that, it would be like Civilization's advanced start. And some people like to play that way because they don't like the early game. But I think a lot of people in these kind of games do like the early. Game. Oh, I, I I do because that's the that's like the explore the first phase X. where it's mysterious, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah. So Civilization, um, it, it, I haven't played a lot of Civilization in a long time, but that's how they do their advanced start. Is they're just like here here's a water resources, blow them, and then well, what they do is. Uh, you can choose which era to start in, and so they already give you certain technologies, and then they give you a few units that are appropriate to that era, and you basically have some points that you can spend to uh, set up cities or even some infrastructure and roads and stuff like that, and then you just so you can actually start with a country instead of just one city. Oh, okay, cool. So I found a human planet, and uh, I have the option to attack it, but I'm not gonna. I also <laughs> found. I, I also found a. A thing with a derelict. See, I, one thing I like about this game are the events that could happen. Uh, I found a planet with a derelict colony. What the hell is that? I can't do anything with it yet because I don't apparently have the technology to go down there. Right. The yeah. only thing you can currently do with them is uh, conquer them uh, because we don't have the diplomacy hooks in. But uh, eventually, oh. this will be one of the many points over which you can interact with the other races. And you can yeah, also. So you'll interact. be able to accumulate some influence and then use that potentially to make them like you more. Um, by doing little sort of questy things in the game. Um, but yeah, that is a system that we are currently discussing and have some pieces for, but it's not in the, in the current test build. Do you have a technology nice. that allows you to actually see planets? Uh, you know, it's like, I, I don't have to send a ship there. I can just kind of look over there and know like, okay, there's three planets, two of them are gas giants. One of them may be habitable, but I don't know what the quality is until I actually go there. But then I know, like, there's a potential planet. I'll go there because because it, it's like today we have telescopes that we can look at a at a star and say, yeah, there's there's a planet, all right. But it, but all these games, the whole genre, it's just it's a star until you pull into orbit, and you know. So that that's always been a. I mean, it's it's a trope of the mechanic of a four X game, right? Yeah, I mean, it's also two dimensional. Um, which is is not really so realistic, um, and there's also no more than four planets in any star system, which is not really so realistic. Um, yeah, but if you're going to interact with a planet, we we don't have a lot of planets that you can interact with that aren't in a certain range anyway, right? So, I you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's a concession to gameplay. You want a mystery until you go there and flip the thing over. Right? Yeah, and that's really why we do it, right? That's why everyone does it. Um, we could have a third state. Um, that was some sort of long-range scouting. Um, just as far as implementation goes, um, the way I would probably do it would be to add a little bit of extra fluff when you have that unexplored star. So if you click on one of these stars, you'll see uh, they tell you it's a, it's a red giant or something, and it doesn't tell you anything. Um, but we could say, you know, it looks like there's a cool 
interesting emissions coming from this system or something like that. Um, that might not be a bad thing. Yeah. The, um, game, the game does have a scan range, and you can increase your scan range to the point where you can see ships that are, that are in orbit around a neighboring system. We deliberately prevent you from being able to see an, an unexplored system so that you have to explore it. Um, we might change that, but uh, I think that uh, part of the fun of this game is exploring. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really enjoy- I'm really enjoying it. You know, yeah, it's- I mean, it's, it's not a thing where I'm bitching and saying, hey, change that, because yeah. it's literally every game in the genre does it that way. Yeah, so- there's a reason for the trope. Yeah. There's yeah. a pretty good reason for the trope. You know, what would be interesting, though, I've never seen one of these games where you could just build a probe. You know, like, like I'm not going to build a ship that I ever want to come back. I'm going to just strap a, a big engine with a sensor on the front and fire it over there, and it gets there quicker. SO, than... SOTS and Move One both had probes. Oh, really? Am I wrong? I uh, believe Move One they had did. scouts. I don't think mm, it was all scouts. There's that one game that we talked about a long time ago that does things kind of in real time. Homeworld like, definitely had probes. So, oh, yeah, like, you'll send out a probe. You'll send out a probe, but you won't get information back for a while, and that information might be outdated because of the limitations of the speed of light. Yeah, that's a yeah. really interesting whole world of mechanics that we're not touching. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Sometimes, and there's a very good reason for that. Yeah, you got to become very different. But you also got to abstract things to make it fun. You can't make it like super realistic, or no one will have a good time. No. no, you can do it in real time, man. You launch those ships and then like leave your computer on for a hundred years and <laughs> just you know check back on it. Right. Colony ships or yes, no, generation ships. Simulation. So right. To, to actually oh, oh. set the resource, you either need to click on. Uh, I'm not sure that. Oh, you did. Oh, did he not actually change what he was he was researching? No, no. That's that's good. Yeah, that's there's, a problem there's... that we've had since the beta. There's a delay on the stream, so it's like okay. twenty. It's like twenty or thirty seconds. Gotcha. There's always delay, so like I'm, I've probably already made. See, I kind of like how like when there's a research thing, it like says, "Hey, hey, 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 you need to research something." Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's nice that it won't let you just walk away from it. You know, it's it's like no, no, really, you have to. You know. Well, it will. So, you just have to tell it twice. If you click again when that thing is up, it will just go to the next turn. Um, oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, there's an ignore option. So if you really just want to make it happen, you can make it happen. Can, um, now, can I just tell the scientists choice. like I don't even want to think about this? Just, just do it. Yeah, yeah. You can just ignore it, um, and he'll just do whatever he thinks is best. Hmm. Yeah. If if you ignore it, he will. The scientist will pick something. Yeah, for the, for oh, the human really? scientists, can you can you draw like Beaker from the Muppets, <laughs> like a, like a yeah, just make a human that kind of looks a lot like Beaker, and <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Then we're basically making Kerbal Space Program. Right? Oh yeah, that's true. Dang, uh, yeah, it, it, it has been done. Okay, hey, do do have a suggestion though um, for the next turn thing because that's the button that you're gonna whack the most, right? Spacebar. Mm. Yeah, the, no, I, I've had that on my list for a while, and it's a really easy thing to do. I'll check back tomorrow, and <laughs> should be in the game, because... I'll, sorry, God. What? Yeah, no, no, I'm... No, I'm I was going to say, just go, I was going to say. Yeah, a lot of these games, they don't do a lot of hotkey stuff, 
and you know, I mean, I mean, it's like you got this GUI, you put all the time into it, and and then it's like, do you really want to play it like a text adventure? But you know, um, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of interesting though if there if there's like you know menu driven mm-hmm. things and you can control it with the keyboard because I'm a lot faster with the keyboard than the mouse. Yeah, but, no, I mean, I, I I think a game like StarCraft is a is a good comparison here. Uh, you expect people who are just getting used to the game to use to use the UI, and you want a really good UI so that they have a good experience. But um, when people are playing through the game for their twelfth time, um, then yeah, you start to discover the hotkeys, and you and you're clicking through very quickly. Um, one of the things I said a while ago, and I've gotten some real raised eyebrows about, was that I wanted this to be a game that um, I could play through in an evening. Um, and people said, what, a 4X game that you can play through in an evening? And Well, I mean, the truth is I can almost play through Mu 2 in an evening um, because if you've played it so much and you're, I mean, you know where the critical points are and you're um, clicking quickly just to see how the universe plays out, um, it's a very different experience than if you're going in for your second or even your, your third or fourth time and you're still trying to figure things out. Yeah. So, so spe- yeah, speaking of yeah. that, like knowing the critical path to things, um, and one thing that was really interesting that the original Moo did, I don't think Moo 2 did it, um, but the original Moo did it, and then StarDrive brought it back, and, it, and it's like the only game that I can think of that did this. The they sliders? Make you make, no, they make you make a, a hard choice, right? It's like, okay, I threw, I threw some research into this technology, and then it's like, okay, you can have A, or B, you can't get both, and whichever one you don't pick goes away forever. <laughs> so there are so, many forum threads about just this topic. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of. I mean, there there are, there are places to put uh, mutually exclusive uh, choices in a game. I don't think technology is a very good one for a variety yeah. of reasons. Right, mm. because well, it's like, hey, I, I discovered cars. Hey, that probably leads into something else that's related to that. Not yeah. not like I got cars, now I can't have motorcycles. Yeah. Which oh, doesn't, because you yeah. have to have one or the other. They're mutually exclusive. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's a good gameplay mechanic if you're just yeah. trying to make a purely abstract game. But it's also a bit world breaking in terms of, well wait, I thought that I was in some sort of science fiction universe that had some kind of internal consistency. And this yeah. is really weird. Well um, one thing that I, I think is interesting don't... though is instead of specifically picking the the tech, so you would say, Okay, I'm gonna research uh like Propulsion, right? I, I just want to. I, I know that my ships need to get faster. I don't know what tech is going to pop out of this, but I'm going to put this many points into propulsion research, and then you just randomly get what you get, right? Um, Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, and also Alpha Centauri. Uh, they both had that feature, which I I, I thought was cool in both cases. Um, but well, it again, prevents like, the player from from finding that critical path and just drilling right to it, you know, because it's like I need this drive and that weapon and that shield and I'm gold, and then you can you know whip across. So it it yeah, kind of so, forces so the different as decisions. A game designer is is do you want people um, to be staring at the tech tree and trying to think about well how do I want to move through this tech tree and do you want that experience to be part of the game um, and 
I think I do. Um, so for the game that I'm trying to create, I think we do want people to know where they're going. And if you look in that, that tech interface, it's not a great tech interface. It doesn't have um, a particularly nice visualization of the tree, which I would like it to have at some point. Um, but everything is there. And in fact, um, uh, if you go up to your, your technology and you click on, say, the construction field, um, you'll get a list of all possible construction techs that you can make. And in fact, if you want to just go straight to uh, the Dreadstar, which is this huge mobile planet um, that is, is, is the largest and most dangerous ship in the game, and you want that to be your strategy, you can just click Q <laughs> research, and that is what you will work towards. Um, so it's it's intended uh, that the choice of how to move through the tech tree is a choice um, and is part of the game. And um, as game designers, I think our duty is to make the uh, the tree interesting enough that that's an interesting choice. That that is um, uh, that that's something that players can dig their teeth into a bit. Of well, you know, do I want to go economic? Do I want to go? Um, into one or the other kind of, of weapon text? Do I want to focus on my my bigger and better ship hulls? And there are pros and cons to all of this. And it depends a bit who my neighbors are and what I'm trying to do. And um, that, to me, um, is is an aspect of, uh, of an interesting uh, 4X game. Okay, one, one thing I definitely praise you for on this... The, separate topic but it's just I'm playing it and had this happen you go you send a scout to a planet oh god there's hostiles here and you cannot avoid combat and your scout's dead well yeah, you here can. here sure you can. You totally no, can. no, oh, okay. no I'm saying oh, every oh, other oh, game oh. right you sh- you get there and it's like pirates you lose <laughs> right <laughs> and and here it's it's like I I see them right and it's like nope <laughs> and I turn around and go right back home. Bugging so, out. yeah. So, so it's not like you're trapped. You know, it's it's like, oh, I got and uh, sort of the stars being a, a big example of that, right? You show up somewhere and then it's just like, oh, you're gonna fight. That's that's what's happening, right? You gotta, <laughs> yeah. You run know, out yeah, the and clock. Interestingly, that's not really a mechanic thing. That's a balance thing because in both um, in both sort of the stars and in stars and shadow, you don't have the option of refusing combat. Um, if someone wants to fight you in a star system, there's going to be a battle. Um, the difference is just that we've timed the retreat timers um, compared to the speed at which ships move in such a way that if you want to run, um, unless they have really good weapons um, or you're a really slow ship, like a civilian ship, uh, you'll be able to rabbit safely. Right. Um, when you and, hit that retreat button, it does actually fight a simulated battle. Oh, okay. So, but it's just like you're gonna get away because yeah, yeah, yeah. because you have good engines, and if you grab it and they're not um, not able to close um, in the first turn and a half, then yeah, you'll get away scot free. Oh, okay, uh, and that happens almost automa- automatically if you hit the runaway button. Um, so you brought up um, you brought up God Starcraft before, right? Um, <laughs> And and you were saying you know about how this game it's got a little touch of StarCraft to some things, and the one place because we were talking about the tech tree stuff right. So since you reveal this to the player, it's kind of like StarCraft. About eighty percent of that game is for a beginning player 
is build queue. When mm-hmm. when you know what you need to build in what order, and if you don't build it optimally, then your opponent's going to crush you because they've got a build order that, that works, right? Um, so it kind of allows you to develop that here because you know, like, all right, I'm going to go in and I'm going to build this. Well, that didn't work because I wasn't strong enough, fast enough for whatever. So I'll go tweak my build order. And and then there's no mystery about it. It's it's like you actually have a clear path that you can aim down. So yeah, I, I do like that for that. Well, that's one of the uh, you know on the issue of um, it can be fun, I guess, when uh, technologies give you random results uh, or when there are mutually exclusive results. But it's very hard to choose. Basically, that removes a choice. Uh, it's kind of hard and when you're given a mutually exclusive uh, set of choices like like they do uh i think with text in uh, galsif 3 or like they do in uh, uh beyond earth um if if you if you choose one and the other choice becomes unavailable it's very difficult in the or impossible in the space of one playthrough to decide which is the better choice mm-hmm. and so but how I'm does not, I'm how really does the ai of, sorry go ahead oh how does the ai handle its tech tree because it has to make these choices too. It's not just about like what ships am I going to build and what planets am I going to go to, but it has to also have a build order. So do you do you kind of um, give it sort of a weighted decision tree about okay, you you should probably because of the personality of this race tend toward building these sorts of things, and also are the techs specifically different per race? Like some race will get something that I'll just never have the option. Uh, yes and no. I mean, um, right now, um, the AI is all using almost exactly the same um, traversal through the tech tree. It's, they almost all have the same hard-coded build order, and that is something that has been on my list of things to change for forever. Um, but there's a lot of other things that are somewhat more urgent. Um, but, yeah, by the time the game is um, less less intensively beta... Um, there will definitely be a number of different hard-coded cues um, for how the um, how the AI moves through um, its its tech tree, and it will it, it will have different strategies. So you may have an AI that um, has decided to go with um, with heavy armor and kinetic weapons and um, a brute forcey kind of strategy. You may have one that's going energy weapons. You may have one that's going um, infrastructure teching er- early on. Um, and and that will be influenced by the, by the personality of the race, but not entirely determined by it. You might get some out of character moments. Okay. Um, is there, is there like indeed. a rock, paper, scissors to the tech? Like if he researches one thing, then, then I say, Oh, he went armor tanking. So I'm going to go with, stuff that beats that because I see what he's doing or, or is it just kind of like everything's balanced? There are um, different weapons have different qualities. Some are more effective against shields. Some are more effective against armor. So there is some of that. Yes. Uh, and also, uh, you know, point of point defense, uh, weapons, uh, counter missiles, uh, and et cetera. So there's a couple different ways to get it. But um, in addition to what uh, Sven was saying, each, each race does have custom technologies. So the tech tree is a little bit different for each race. Okay. Yeah, so as Orson, if you go heavy energy, um, you'll unlock fairly early on um, 
these weapons that are are not actually available to anyone else until they're building like the um, the moon sized battle stations um, called called siege weapons, um, which are these long range, exceedingly heavy energy cannons um, that basically just let you sit back on one edge of the map and pound away at your opponents. Um, and does it, does the it actually the only one who can unlock them in anything like the earlier mid game? Yeah, does it actually like draw power off the sun? In order to do um, that, no, a, it, it, okay. it does not actually draw power off the side. So, so you wouldn't say it's a star killer. Reactors. Hmm. You you wouldn't call that a star killer then? I, I no. would not call that a star killer. <laughs> okay. No, I was thinking after I watched Force Awakens that man, star killer base. That should be one of the end game techs because I would love to be able to you know blow up three or four different enemy planets from across the galaxy. That's that's handy. Star, star killer. Once. That's Australian for Death Star. <laughs> it's like you think that's a Death Star. Now that's a Death Star. That's <laughs> a Death Star. Yeah, so so when you're in construction here, like you can click on the field. Uh, sorry, I know thirty second delay, um, right. but if you click on the field, you get a list of all possible construction techs, um, and um, you can jump around and see some of the late game ships you may be able to create, or even mid game ships. Um, right now, navigating the tech tree is tricky, trickier than it need than it ought to be. I think. I'm uh, building light cruisers like crazy. So one thing that I would like to see in a game like this, and I think it would actually be helpful to you as the designer as far as uh, um, just balancing it out and stuff, is none of these games seem to put in an ant farm mode where you just don't put a human player in there and let the AI duke it out and then you get to watch what goes down. Oh yeah, like when when I'm debugging the AI that time playing, um, so occasionally I'll I'll make statements on the forums like... uh, um, you know, in the last few um, AI trials I've been doing, like the URL are obviously way too strong, or 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 the feedy are too strong and need a nerf, and it's because I've been playing those ant farm modes. Um, oh, well, I'm glad you're doing that because a lot of designers don't do that, and then you know you, it's kind of like wow, um, not real balanced, right? So, so that's good, um, and it, it's you know I I would say leave that exposed to the player at the at the you know, I mean, if if you're confident about the AI and people aren't going to be like, oh god, you know, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff too, when it, the the problem that's really tough, and we've had a lot of conversations about this, but the problem that's really tough in these games is it's almost impossible to get an AI that actually plays the game like a human. So there comes a point where you fake it, and you give a plausibly cinematic opponent. And yeah, I mean, that's like. As both Jim and I were saying early on, that's not our goal. That's very emphatically not our goal. Because if if the AI plays like a human that knows that it's playing a game, then um, sort of in character, um, everyone is a totally Machiavellian backstabber who um, has no honor and is going to is, is gonna kick you in the teeth at the first possible opportunity, um, is going to gang up on you as soon as um, you're, you're getting more powerful than they are um, because they, they don't want to lose the game. Um, but even, and, if, even if you like that kind of uh, AI play, and some people do, uh, it's impossible to do well because no AI is going to be as smart as a human player. So, yeah. Unless so the at game what point, is very simple, in which case you you screwed up as a designer there. But can you have a win condition that is almost like, hey, we made Starfleet, 
It's like we killed off the asshole races, and there's the nice people that are left, and we're all kind of in a peace treaty forever and trading and, and whatever, and nobody's going to fight anybody now because at that point it becomes almost like, okay, somebody's got to go for an economic or a diplomatic victory because nobody here really wants to fight anybody. I mean, technically, in the guts of the engine, that waiting condition is in right now, but it's impossible to reach because diplomacy is not in the game, and um, you can't ally with people yet. Um, but, um, yeah. Even if you're a warmonger, even warmongers have friends, and it would be... I don't like games that make you... Kill eliminate everyone everyone. to claim the endgame? So, if, if someone... If, if you've... Even if you're a, you know, a planet-destroying bastard... Uh, if you have some friends, you should be able to be declared victor, victor without having to kill everybody. So uh, our, our yeah. victory conditions are not yet set, but we'll certainly have ways. Well, yeah, I mean, I could see like two different political things. You know, there's like the alliance of good guys, and we get rid of the bad guys, or there's the alliance of bad guys, and we've wiped out the good guys, and now we turn on each other. <laughs> right? Somebody becomes ultimate dictator. But yeah, unless someone already effectively is ultimate dictator, right? I mean, it's like if it's become yeah. you and your toadies who are totally cowed by the um, awesomeness of your of, of your space fleets, you don't need to bother destroying them. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah, almost they're like already convinced. It's almost like well, here's a technology that I researched as far as political <laughs> technology, right? Like I have invented the Federation, and now I can invite the other races into it, and I might have to cajole them or something. But once they're in. You know, it's like okay, now we have a, a lasting peace treaty and, and whatever. And anybody screws with any of us, then we all go fight that guy, like in a NATO kind of way. Well, Master Brian Two had a very effective uh, way way of dealing with this, and it was very simple. And it was just the the Galactic Council, and which was a vote uh, for a leader, and it was based on population. And so it, it did two things. Uh, one 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 thing was if you beat everybody up, eventually you'd have. 70% of the population or whatever was required and you could vote for yourself. And you wouldn't have to mop up the, le- the rest of them, which is really not particularly interesting. But it also meant that if someone liked you enough, they could vote for you. And so uh, if, you, if, you, if you made friends and destroyed the people you didn't like, you would eventually win uh, because you would vote for yourself and your friends would vote for you and then the game would be over. And, and it prevented the game from being a situation where you had to go kill every last person or you had to pursue some arbitrary, nonsensical win condition like an economic victory. What the hell is an economic victory? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a simple mechanic, um, and it worked pretty well um, just for terminating the game at the point when the game is basically won, and right, we are that, planning to copy it. Um, as, yeah, because it's so elegant, nobody's forex. done it. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things. Like everybody wants to clone Master of Orion, but they don't have the election in there. And like you said, for for all those reasons, that's a good mechanic to have because it mm-hmm. shuts the game down. You know, when otherwise it's it's like you know, okay, I'm playing an RTS and I have to go kill every last peon. And you know, it's it's like at some point the the other guy has lost, right? Yeah, and should concede. So. Yeah, and and this is a way to have people peacefully concede because you're not you're not bombing them into concession. You're you know it, you're just successful enough that they want to follow your lead. So yeah, I like that. I'm glad you guys are doing that. I wish more people did that. I'm sorry, I I got wrapped up in actually playing the game. 
I really did. I was just like, oh, people are talking, whatever. But... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I noticed you ran into some, some marauders. They destroyed your colony at Sirius. Now the humans have managed to establish a little outpost in your territory. I know. I know. It's Those so pesky good. humans. Ah. Fucking humans. God. Why, why so serious? <laughs> they took this planet that had the derelict colony. Yeah, now it's their derelict. If there were hidden, <sighs> hidden technologies there, they just got them. Which, Son honestly, I'd kind of like them to be gloating about. You know, We just got a deflector shield from the ancient colony that you didn't. Ha 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 ha! That'd be funny. That'd be that'd be great diplomacy right there. Gloating, yep. seriously, that'd be awesome. Absolutely, that, yeah. that, that would be great. And I, I like how I can see what the human fleets are doing because we're not exactly friends. We're not exactly enemies. Yeah, they're, they're not inside your scan range here. I mean, if they were farther out, or if they were inside a star system that you hadn't explored, they'd be invisible. But because they're kind of messing around right in the middle of your territory, they're they're pretty clear. Right. And I wanted to ask how I, I, because I've been going through the tech tree and I, I kind of like, like at first when I saw the tech tree, I was like, what is this? It's just like eight, ten technologies, that's it. But like, and then it shows you, oh, wait, researching this opens up eight other things that you could research. Like, if you research physics, there's a million other things, or fusion, all of a sudden you've got a billion things to choose from. And yeah, I like how I mean, right now the, the tech tree is it's it's pretty sprawling. Um, we've got a uh, if you go to the forums, you can find um, an early um, uh, graph that uh, we drew and is, is intermittently updated with new links as new texts go in. Um, that that kind of lays it all out in front of you, and it it, it it's about the size of most of the tech trees of these sorts of games. Right, but I, but what I like is it doesn't look like a tree. It's much more organized, and everything is hyperlinked. I gotta say, I wish more games did hyperlinks yeah, within well, their game. From Civ, <laughs> I know, but I'm I mean, not it's like you'd think people would more people would steal that kind of shit, but but they try and steal other shit that's like no, that's not what I wanted, <laughs> and I'm being whiny. I know, but I just love little things like this. Like this just makes sense. Like, what is what does this lead to? Why is this important? Oh, that's interesting. What does yeah, this lead I to? Mean, oh, you know, it's, it's it's a game made by strategy gamers for strategy gamers, and um, I love that feature of Civ Two. Um, and I thought, you know, uh, that was one of the things I really wanted to make sure was there. I with a lot of games like. Um, uh, Anno 2070, or with um, uh, or with Sword of the Stars, like uh, the original Sword of the Stars had a great wiki that was made by the fans. And mm -hmm. if you were playing Sword of the Stars, you basically wanted to have two or three wiki pages up at all times, in addition right. to the game client, um, because there was all this stuff that you needed to know and understand in order to play the game. And um, the nice thing about Civ was that it had the same kind of density, but it was all built organically into the game and the UIs. And um, so you didn't have to be jumping in back and forth between different browsers and crashing your computer and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that was worth stealing. I also like how, like, um, planets have an auto section. So it's like, I don't want to think about this too hard. Auto. That's, that's nice. Yeah. 
an, an important uh, one of the things that Sven made one of his prime directives was in these kinds of games uh, when you get into late game and you have 20 different planets and 40 different fleets uh, micromanagement becomes an issue so he did want to keep things streamlined and uh, offer opportunities to let the computer do things that you don't care about doing. Right, which is nice. It does streamline things because, you know, I want to be an emperor. I don't want to. Sometimes I don't want to be a scientist. Sometimes I don't want to be a a, a governor. You know, just fucking yeah, do it. And, and what exactly is beneath your notice at any point in chain in time does change a bit. So you need some flexibility. But we've generally tried to uh, to keep it relatively abstract. Um, the build system is more abstract than. Um, than, than say endless space or master of orion 2 um there's only a couple different possible improvements and you unlock one um right now you unlock markets um as you progress through the tech tree but um there's no more than five implemented in the entire game so you don't have that um he's talking about planetary improvements yeah planetary improvements um so, so you don't have that many choices you need to be making per planet. It's not like in Civ, where um, as you get towards the late game, you know, you've got your your twenty building build queue that you need to optimize for each city, um, and you have thirty different cities. So, good luck with that. <laughs> now, I gotta say, the the build screen is pretty, and I appreciate this. It's pretty straightforward um, because I don't have like. There's some games like I want this little generator on this square, and I want this little thing. Or no, I don't have time for that. So maybe this is another sort of the stars thing, where it's just like I want this generator, these weapons, this engine done. You know, I don't want to worry about placement or any of that bullshit. Just put this on this. You yeah, know? though you can um, if you really want to. Really? Um, yep, you can drag and drop. Um, uh, say. The weapons you can configure where on the ship they go. It is purely aesthetic, oh. um, but it it is there, um, and a few people have gotten into it. I, I, you know, different strokes for different folks. If if you want to have your ion cannons, yeah. So extra munitions you can't, but um, if you scroll up to weapons, um, you can drag and drop weapons onto individual star. Uh, hard points, and you could do oh. that in sort of the stars too. It's it's just it is mostly aesthetic. Um, it's only sort of what guns you have and what systems you have that ultimately matters. Well, the, so the hard point list, the hard point list there on the left represent actual hard points on the, visibly seen on the ship, and, so, and some of them, in, in this case, they, most of them have the same firing arcs, but not all of them do, especially for different uh, ship types. So. If you're if you're interested in min maxing that sort of thing, you can screw around with it. Right. So um, <laughs> this game feels like it's pretty far along. It's in beta right now. Yeah, I mean we're calling it beta, and that is almost a marketing mistake. I've one of the <laughs> things I I realized um, as we got. Um, got deeper into the alleged beta, is that a lot of people in games media really do know uh, the old IBM uh, nomenclature for exactly what is a beta and what is an alpha. Um, when I started throwing the terms around, I was sort of thinking about Google and, you know, they corrupt the idea of what is a beta so completely that it, mm. it no longer has any meaning. Um, 
But if we're going to use mm. the old IBM terms, um, we're still technically in alpha um, because the diplomacy <clears throat> system isn't in. Um, and we're not really going to be beta until um, that that piece goes in. Um, yeah, and that's, but, no, uh, but nobody calls today beta means it's in testing mode. So it, no, not really. I mean, it does. It uh, really doesn't, does. Even, it doesn't even mean like to a lot of people. It doesn't like even mean warp. that anymore. Yeah. Like people expect a beta to be a finished fucking game with just some minor fucking polish or something. Sorry, some minor I mean, polish. People, I've been I mean, reading now more of the people in the indie community, and I think a lot of people use the words properly. Like Star Sector uses alpha and beta properly. Mm, um, that's true. The guys who make Dwarf Fortress use alpha and beta properly. Um, I mean. It's still an alpha dwarf fortress. Um, is it? So yeah, but there's a lot of games that have been in development, and people have been playing it for five years, and they still call it a beta. I mean, when I was in software engineering, alpha meant feature complete, beta meant release candidate. Oh yeah. really? Yes, and that's not the what, what anybody in game. Yeah, no. I mean, the do. IBM definitions I know is 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 beta is feature complete, gamma is release candidate. Mm. Um, but anyways, tangent. Yeah, nerd tangent. That's uh, fine yeah. for a nerd tangent. That's a good. That's a good nerd tangent. But because it's it's just it's just hard to know what like these mean. Like there was one game I won't say what it is, but like he started using one numbers. Oh yeah, for his game, and I'm like, oh, this is ready for review. And I started doing a like a let's play review of it, and he's like, no, 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 no. this is still early access. I'm like. Why are you using one point something? Oh God! I, I admit it. It was me. No, it wasn't you. But <laughs> wow. it would. It wasn't. It wasn't you. But it's just like there's no. Con- there's. I wish there was some kind of consistency in that. Like everything yeah. falls under the early access umbrella. But what does that mean? It means you're getting it before it's done. But like, what does that mean? Yeah. It's, it's like it's so confusing anymore. It- it's awkward, and it's made more awkward by the fact that we all have different ways in which we're actually doing the development, right? So um, um, not everyone polishes games the way Blizzard polishes games. Um, right. Um, most people just flat don't have the assets uh, to polish a game like that and to have such a long testing period. Um, but everyone plays Blizzard games, um, so their nomenclature has a lot of weight. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the culture is all all confused. Uh, <laughs> to sort of answer your question, um, we're at least three to six months out from release, I would say, right now. Um, so, and there's still at least one big um, big feature that is still to go in, which is the diplomacy system, which is actually going to have a few other bells and whistles, which is this event deck that... Um, Ariok and I have started talking about, and that's going to be integrated into the diplomacy system. So um, it's it's going to be a while before this is um, is starting to really look like um, and play like the game that we intend it to be at release. Oh well, I mean that seems very really reasonable because like right now, I mean the AI is doing stuff, and I feel like I'm accomplishing something. So that feels like it's fairly well along, but you can tell there's like. There's like text that says to be done and stuff like that. Yeah, so you can there's, tell there's... there's some to do stuff lingering around. Um, and and the UI is not as polished as I'd like in a number of ways. I mean, I wince anytime we have to show a screenshot of the um, of the tech tree. And Jim is now coughing, which means I'm talking too frankly about where we are in terms of development. Oh, that wasn't a, that wasn't an actual cough. That was a that was a be quiet cough. <laughs> 
no comment. <laughs> stop, stop pilling, stop spilling all the beans, man. You know, that's what we love here on the Space Game Junkie Podcast. Beans spilled everywhere. That's what yes. we love. One time, so many beans. Frank above the beans. <laughs> or beans above the Frank. I don't remember. Something. Ben Stiller. Yes. But, um, to go on. But no, I mean, one, one thing I do love, I, I have to say, I love about how much access we're getting. I mean, there are downsides. It's a double-edged sword. Look at Star Citizen. But I mean, one thing I do love about this this era of early access is how i mean how do you guys feel about this like there's never been such easy access to developers for fans you know and i can imagine that's you know some days that's awesome and some days that's terrible you know how do you guys how how is that working out for you guys i'm really enjoying it i mean the community of uh, beta testers that we have collected over the last year, there are some really very thoughtful um, and very dedicated testers in that group, um, including, impressively, Jim's own dad, who um, um, Bill Francis is our um, our only, I think, over 70 tester. Um, <laughs> and he, he has been really hammering on some versions of this build and, you know, intense feedback and so on and so forth. Um, oh. But my impression is that for whatever reason, a lot of the people who really dig into this genre um, are very thoughtful, very reasonable, very helpful people. And I've, I've very much appreciated um, the feedback that we've gotten uh, from the people who have, who have come into the beta. Um, so as a developer, I'm finding it very, um, very helpful. I'm, I'm also conscious that, um, you know, the time and patience that um, these volunteers have is a finite resource. Um, so mm. if you've signed up for the beta and I haven't let you in, um, it's, it's not because I hate you. It's, it's because I know that I only get one chance to make a first impression and, um, I want the game to be as good as it can be, um, when we pull you in. And, um, if I pull you in for the beta, you're, you're going to get a worse impression of the game than you'd get if I, um, I didn't let you have it until release. Um, yeah, there's two right. kinds of beta testers. There are people who recognize that there are going to be things missing and want to help test and make a better game. And then there's mm-hmm. folks that want to play a free game and they expect it to be basically finished. And that's a perfectly reasonable ex- expectation, but it's a, that's a different thing. Yeah, um, and that's not where we're at right now. Um, there's a third option, which is Orphans. Because if you ever saw a movie like Annie or Peter Pan or whatever, you get you go to one of those evil orphanages and just like get a bunch of orphans and then like make them test your game, chain chain them to the desks. And well, if we were developing in you know North Korea or something, we'd probably do that. But I don't think that works here anymore. <laughs> yeah, but not sense. So, did, so I think I saw on your site that right now you can. Uh, Buy into the beta if you want to. Is that yep, is that? Can. Am I remembering that right? That's, okay. I mean, I mean that's an option that I I ended up adding. Um, um, it's all Elliot's fault. There was one very sweet guy who um, <laughs> had because 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 when I started out, the beta and the uh, and the pre-order system were totally different. Um, so so the beta was you send me an email and I add you to a list and um, if you want. Um, um, 
like eventually when I need you, I'll send you an email um, and I'll send you a link to the build. And the pre-order is if you want to get the game early and you would like to help us with funding, which we would very much appreciate because we're broke, um, please pre-order. Um, but pre-order did not guarantee you access to the beta. Um, and then I had a few people who had pre-ordered um, and had also signed up for the beta and kept on sending me emails saying, um, when do I get my beta invite? And I know I don't get it for free, but I, I'm a big fan of the game and I really want to see where it is. And um, I thought, well, all right. Um, it's not, it's, it's, so I mean, the game is far enough along. I'm happy enough to give people access. I think we, at we this don't. point, because you have an artist, right? then he's pretty good. I would say stars and shadow t-shirts. So sell them for some exorbitant amount and all proceeds go to the development. That's probably Cafe a good idea. Press. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. We should do that. <laughs> I, I, I could use some new t-shirts myself, actually, even just for personal use. I would like to have a, a Ashtar cruiser on a t-shirt. Um, and if I, and if we ever end up do, do end up going to some game conferences, you know, if Jim and I show up at PAX, um, it would make us easier to find if we had uh, little t-shirts with, with space dinosaurs on them. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to do this. I'm sure my dad would like a Stars and Shadow t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's he's played more of the game than just about any of the testers. His His logs are incredible. Well, I'm thinking the the game looks good, right, and the map and everything. So what I would do is take a game that's, like, about mid-game and there's some ships around and whatever and just, like, take a big screenshot of the map and blow that up and just make a T-shirt out of it. You know, like, front and back, just blue shirt with this map on it. I'm not sure how well it would print. Um, we got plenty of options for that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, um, particularly in a lot of the art assets, because it is such a nice cartoony style, there's a lot of stuff here that is pretty t-shirt friendly. Um, or like a polo shirt, but instead of the little alligator, you have like the little lizard guy head. <laughs> yeah. Yes, or a seahorse. I, I could use a polo shirt with a little seahorse logo. Feedy. That would be awesome. We call it Shirts in Shadow. <laughs> Or shady shirts. I don't know. <laughs> shirts and shadow. I like that. I'm writing that down. No. Well, no. Well, we yeah, got exworm- vetoes. Shirts, shirts and shadow. No. We got exworminate in the house, and they want to know about diplomacy. You guys are late. They already talked oh, about that. Guys, is we're, that Nate? we're not. I don't know. Rob, if it's Nate. It's Rob. Not, oh, it's, it's Rob. Rob. Okay, no, Rob's Nate cool. always show, right? No, they're great, but I mean, he's just giving us. He's just giving us a hard time. We've already told them our plans for diplomacy. Well, we've told oh, some. I mean, he's he's out of the loop as far as all the event deck stuff that yeah, is well, still top secret. Well, yeah, we're still we still can't really talk about that. All right, all right. The event deck stuff is stuff is top secret, Rob. I'm sorry, we're not allowed to to tell you about it. But there are big design documents, and they're pretty cool. And I'm excited. Um, Jim's excited. It's it's going to be fun when it starts to click. Um, yeah. I, I, I just put up on dev um, before this uh, the first draft of the new ground combat system, um, and as soon as the AI doesn't um, become totally hopelessly confused as a result of the new ground system, um, um, I'm going to switch to implementing and messing around with uh, the AI system, so and this will just, be good. Just to elaborate on that, the, what's in the build that you're playing, the uh, Ground invasion system is very abstract. Basically, 
you have transports. You have troop. Tra- you have to have a certain number of troop transports, uh, and you can bombard a planet, and then basically there are just numbers that tick down, and it automatically takes it over. Uh, oh, so so basically, you have to genocide the population, and then you take it, and then you start with like base exactly. population. If you basically, um, yeah, build if, some troop ships. If you build a yeah. bunch of troop ships, you'll just be able to um, absorb everyone, right? Um, so which it, is also unrealistic and ridiculous. So, so if you have a, a population, if you have a target planet with ten population, this is currently, uh, and you have five troop ships, then you basically have to kill five of the population, and then you can take the rest over. So the new yeah. system actually has uh, separate ground units that you have to load aboard the transports, and then they actually do battle on the planet, and it's a more randomized system. It's much more, uh, I think, engaging. So that's what's going in in the next few days. Oh, okay. Yeah, because oh. I don't know if anybody's ever done like a uh, an occupation kind of thing in these games, right? Where it's like, okay, we took their planet. They don't like us, right. but we took their planet, and it's kind of a resource drain because we have to keep troops there. And keep you know the uh, otherwise I mean, like if we don't have enough troops we get an insurgency um, and 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 Mu two did that it, it's a fairly common feature in one way or another I think um, yeah so one in addition to making uh, ground invasion more interesting uh, it also the ability to have separate ground ground units that you can move around does give us the ability to do more with uh, a population morale and so that you may have to station permanently or semi-permanently ground troops to keep the hostile population classified. And, but we also want to give the player uh, tools to improve their uh, relations with that race and, and with that population so that maybe you can eventually move those troops out. Oh, okay, that's cool. So you kind of hearts and minds it a little bit and then they, they calm down. Yeah, we, we want to have both... Uh, reputation with the other factions, but also reputation with the various races, so that if you have uh, colonists of that race, then maybe you should think twice before committing genocide on a planet that has that race somewhere else. Could be a PR problem for you. Yeah. Could lead to internal problems. Well, it kind of reminds me of that new show, The Colony, right? I don't think I've seen it. We're just like the the planet Earth has been colonized and taken over by aliens, but we're still kind of alive, and they're just our hosts, and but they're using our planet for resources. I think I've seen like four different sci-fi you need shows to and, and, and half a dozen books that all have that. Well, the, the show looks fascinating. I haven't seen it. I've heard mixed on it myself. But it hopefully will be good because we need good, more good sci-fi. Now, oh, speaking right of to move. speaking of yeah, I figured that out. Now, um, that colony ship went boom, real nice. Um, <laughs> now, now, will this uh, be a pure like sandbox? Or are there story elements to it? Will there be like story events of a larger story? Or is it just going to be like this is your universe and this is what happens in it, and that's it. We want it to be replayable, and so we're going to uh, – and we also want the races to be as distinct as they can be. We want the environment to be as interesting as it can be. So we're going to try to mix as much story as we can with replayability, and that's what the diplomacy, uh, the diplomatic event stuff is all about. But it's it's not finalized yet, so there's there's not too much we can say specifically about it. But yeah, that's, it's more that's aspirational. If 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 uh, we're able to implement the system the way I think we we will be able to, then I, I think that will work very well. 
But wow, someone's getting up on one of those planets there. I saw that. I have a feeling they're heading toward me. They're going to go all go right there, and then they're going to all come right to where I just destroyed their colony ship. I, 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 I missed that. I mean, it may be that the, that the AIs are having a war, so you're yeah, fine. I think um, that's more likely. Yeah. It oh, looks okay. Like, it looks like the Hadawir have become awesome and are utterly crushing the humans. Um, which oh. is fine for you because you're fighting the humans, um, but could have long-term problems. Yeah, because okay. lots of purple space dinosaurs with lots of purple spaceships. <laughs> uh boy. Yeah, now there are two of those dinosaur races: the yeah. the Ashdars. There are the imperialists and the colonists. That's correct. How did that happen? Well, the since you were talking about story, uh, the, the backstory of this uh, galaxy is that there was once, uh, thousands of years ago, a, a great empire, and the Ashtar, who were the space dinosaurs, were one of the, uh, the chief uh, overlords of that empire. And then there was a great war, and everything kind of went to hell, and the galaxy was thrown into a dark age. And so the, uh, the two factions of the Ashtar are basically two what's left of that empire. and they're different sub-races, and they have slightly different characteristics. And the humans were also one of the major combatants in that uh, war, and they didn't come out quite so well. Oh. Yeah, so, so one, of the, one of the interesting things about our world building is that um, um, there are a bunch of races that know each other um, because they were all put back to... Uh, um, uh, early tech base. Um, they all were sort of forced back into barbarism. Um, but a number of them remember what happened uh, the last time there was a big battle for galactic supremacy. Um, and they may bear grudges about what happened the last time there was a battle for galactic supremacy. So, so you'll learn more about that in the diplomacy so system. So if, if you're trying to colonize Sirius, you need to select the, the star and then choose the colonize button from the planet itself. Right, but for some reason I can't do that. I, I think uh, I yeah. I, the problem is that you're Orson, and I don't. Well, or wait, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, you're Orson. Um, so and you're... all I'm seeing at, on Sirius is arid worlds, and you're an aquatic race. Um, oh. So unless you have hostile environment tech, you're not going to you... be able to build a colony. Well, um, you need something okay. with water or ice. ice. Yeah, different races have different habitability. Well, that's pretty awesome. So the humans, of course, can colonize it because they're fine. Like all they need is air, and you've got air, but there's no water, so you're you're out of luck. Now, if you had some humans in your empire, you could start to get clever um, and move around humans um, so that you could take advantage of arid worlds and so on. Um, there's there's some depths to that. All right. So there, oh. there's there's an advantage to taking over uh, alien planets and using their population to fill niches in some of your worlds that your own population can't fill. So you can, oh, you can so move you population can... around. Oh, so you can queue research. Oh, I didn't even notice that until just now. Yep. No, it's, oh. it's, it's not very well advertised, but it's definitely there. <laughs> um, and as the UIs get better, um, I think more people are going to discover it. Right. I mean, the UI is already pretty great, but I see what you're saying. Because, yeah, I, there's no way I noticed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's oh. a little subtle. Holy shit, there's lots of ships moving around. Yeah, it honestly, it gets a little overwhelming. This is where I would, um, I think we need to 
Well, if there's if there's time to do a pass on the um, Galaxy Map screen, one of the things people frequently ask for is a Zoom feature, yeah, um, and I think we we need it because kind of like late game Civ, um, you need to be able to go to a more abstract um, yeah. view, will or even more close <clears throat> in. So um, yeah, I think one stage each of zoom in and zoom out would be very useful. Yeah. Like maybe if you zoom out enough, like units there all going to the same place kind of blend into one, kind of like Cohan companies or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, or they just turn into wedges. Um, I oh, mean, okay. Like we're using up a lot of space right now um, because right. we're actually showing indicative starships so you can sort of get a sense of what as well as where um, things are moving. Um, but most other games in this genre will just use a wedge. Um, and I think at a, at a, at one zoom out level, we would just use a wedge, um, which would clean up, um, uh, the UI a bit in a case like this. Oh, make it like, look like one of those, you know, like a harpoon style carrier band style thing. You know, if you zoom out enough, it's just a bunch of symbols. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Or like Master Brian. Whoa. Holy shit. Was that okay. you, Spence? That was me. <laughs> Rob okay. is, is in do, chat saying... Don't do that um, again. <laughs> because the universe just ended? Sorry. Um, wow. I thought my keyboard was loud. Is that what, no. you, is that what it sounds like? Jim That's Welcome to the party, Brian. Welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> don't throw a dead guy on my car, Hunter. God. Anyway. Sorry. So Sorry, we're about again. we're about fifteen minutes shy of two hours. So I need to, I need to take the next fifteen minutes to bitch about elite as no, per tradition. No, 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 and, no, no, no. Did you not see the steam message I, I sent you saying? I Please did. Don't do I wasn't that. gonna say anything about it until you sent me that message and then it's just like Son all right, of a bitch. If you I hadn't knew done better. I what knew you better. Did, I knew I shouldn't have. Anyway. So, okay, so the game is uh, six months, roughly six months out-ish. I mean, that, yeah, could ob- that could three, obviously change. Three to change. six months, yeah. Three right. to six, I three think, to is six the official ish. estimate at this point. But that could change, Yeah, obviously. Uh, shut up, Dan. Shut up, Dan. Don't bring... Shut up, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> um, Elite, what's that? Shut up. Go play Evercron. You'll feel better. Um, <laughs> you'll feel a lot better. But, um... No, so three to six months ish out. Now you guys were greenlit. Yes. Yep. We got that. Steam. Congratulations. Now, are you gonna are you gonna do early access on Steam? You're gonna wait till you're done and then hit Steam. We will probably do early access at some point. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, because uh, people seem surprised if you're only in early access for like a month or two and then you go live. You know. People seem to like that sort of thing. It's like you have a small, yeah. reasonable amount of early access time on Steam before you hit that 1.0 button, the big pat, the big uh, easy button. Like we were saying before, some people like to play early games, and some people just want to get they they want to play the game now, and they expect it to be finished. And so, I think you have to be careful to manage people's expectations when you when you let them play an unfinished game. So, what I think when it gets to the point where all the features are in and it just needs polish, then that might be the time to go for early access. 
It's kind of amazing, too. Like, all these early access games on Steam clearly say, early access, we're not done. There's still all this shit to do, all these features we want to implement, blah, blah, blah. There's, like, big blue text and big blue boxes, and there's a yeah, banner but, on the thing that says early access. But people and, like, don't pay any attention to that. Yeah, apparently but not. The game, they expect to be able to play it. Shocking. Um... <laughs> I mean, it's playable, but it's not done. Yeah. Why don't people get that? Sorry. It's just so frustrating to see all these great space games like butchered in early access because people expect a finished game. I know, like Elite, right? Like uh, <laughs> it'll be at least two more years uh, before it's playable. And yeah. Okay. Go play, I've, I've done go, I've done my thing. We're good. Go play Evercron, Jim. Go play Evercron. You'll be a lot happier. Anyway. So gentlemen, uh, we should probably wrap this up. So the website is stars-in-shadow.com, if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah, and you can drop the hyphen, the hyphens if you want. You'll go to the same place. Well, for- oh, that's good. Okay, that's good. You can also so- type in ashdar.ca um, if you want something really short. Ashdar, A-S-H-D-A-R. I think that works. I don't even... Oh, shit, I typed again. Yeah, Ashdar. <laughs> you said that word. <laughs> oh no! Sorry. Someone, someone just Language. called a week. Um. So I want to thank you guys for uh, stopping by, letting us play the game. I'm guys. I'm. I've been playing this, folks, in the chat and watching this later and listening to this later. This is good stuff. This this feels both comforting. Like this is this is what we're used to for a good four X plus enough variation enough new fun stuff that it looks um that it looks fun that it looks to may have its own voice like uh Sven I think that was Sven said earlier. So Thanks. this is this is definitely one to keep an eye out for again three to six months so we're looking maybe springish, summerish. Yeah, you springish, know, summerish. That's that's kind of what we're looking at. Which is which is good, and maybe we can have you back once it's done to go. How'd that last six months go? Oh my yeah, god, but, we hate everyone. But for God's <laughs> sake, take as long as you need. Yeah, there's no yeah, rush. You know what? There's no rush. Take if, if it's if it, if it's if it turns into six or nine months for for us as fans, that's fine. Just do what, what you got to do. What's an extra six months on top of eight years, right? <laughs> yeah, just spend a bit more time playing XCOM. I mean, XCOM's coming out. Oh, oh yeah, god, that's, that's true. true. That's true. Uh, oh, we got that comes we got, out in a couple of weeks, and and yeah, uh, we, we got just shit got... breakers tomorrow, and then XCOM coming after that. I can't quit calling it that. It's that's why? what it was for the longest time. Shipbreakers. That's what yeah. it was. Well, but yeah, before the uh, gearbox said, "Oh, go ahead, make it an official name." So yeah, I shipped my bed. Anyway. <laughs> That's all I can think I of when I hear my sh- pants. Yeah, so, that's, that's pretty good. Of, that's pretty good. Is, that's all I can think of when I hear shipbreakers is that that hilariously stupid Kmart commercial. That's was all that, I can think. Was that of. actually a real commercial? Or that was, was that actually yes. a real commercial. That was an yes, actual was. real uh, commercial. I, you know, at this and point, that, I'm actually happy to live on this planet where that could happen because yeah, <laughs> that was that was actually a real commercial for actual Kmart, and apparently, it did wonders for Kmart. See what happens when you get rid of Martha Stewart. You can do good things. <laughs> Actually, they still have Martha Stewart stuff, but they just don't use her in their advertising. I'm oh. lost. I don't watch enough advertisements. I haven't, I haven't had a TV with advertisements since 
You know well, what? What's shocking, YouTube, right? Man, is YouTube, man. <laughs> YouTube for ad blocks. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know, the thing though is, if you think about like I don't know how old you guys are, right? But you're you're old enough, right? Star Wars toys, like yeah. first time around. College so, in two thousand. That's old enough. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I look back at the eighties, all that crap did its job really well because I still uh-huh. have all those serial commercial jingles and the cartoon bullshit in my head, right? Jim, see, like as sing, an adult, Jim, can you sing along with me? Honeycomb's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's small. Not it's small. not small. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no see? No. see? I had to watch you know what? It's, it's honestly, I'll watch something like the Star Wars holiday special and I watch it with the commercials in and it's oh, kind of like those are more entertaining to me and more nostalgia than the actual <laughs> show that I'm watching. Yeah, but it's just uh, like well, Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> well, it kind of tempers it. More entertaining than Star Wars holiday <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, th- there's something just quintessential about those old commercials. Like, I feel like chicken tonight. Everyone remembers that one, right? I feel like chicken tonight. It's no? called nostalgia. It's yeah. Yes. So, yeah. you know, the funny thing about the Star Wars Holiday Special, though, if you go back and look <laughs> at that, there's that scene where she's in the kitchen, like, you know, Wookiee wife or whatever, is in the kitchen, and she's, like, taking a call on a video screen, right? If you look at the monitor that that she's on, it's like a 1080p flat panel for, in, like, 1977, 78. Right, so it, it's just like, oh God, it, it's like whenever you look at two thousand and one and you see the guy sitting there with an iPad, and it's just like, oh God, it happened. Yeah, you know? I do love. We that are sort of in thing. fact in the future. Yeah, yes. we are living in the future. We're totally living in the future. I mean, you know, it's it's not rocket cars. It's it's internet connectivity and everything. You know, it's not flying cars. Thank God. Thank God, it's not flying cars <laughs> because <laughs> fuck. I, I don't know, man. I want my jetpack. Okay. <laughs> I we don't need that in LA. People can barely handle two dimensions here. <laughs> you know, I don't want to give them a third cuz fuck they'd be dead. Oh my god, it'd just be a, just a cavalcade of death is what it would be every day. Well, like how many how many broke down cars do you see on the side of the road? That would be in your roof. So, yeah. you know, yeah, not yeah. good. No, not some, good. Some things about the Jetsons shouldn't have changed. But the one thing that I think is, is kind of tragic is we live in the age where everything is wonderful and everybody is a cynical douchebag about oh, it, yeah. right? It's just L- like L- the world is terrible. It's all – it's just shit. It's like, hey, pull your phone out, right? You have the yeah. freaking Library of Alexandria in your goddamn pocket. Exactly. There's, now, a, there's, a, fabulous yeah. Lu- there's a fabulous Louis C.K. bit. Yes. It yeah. talks exactly. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, that's, yep. that's like his first thing that made him famous. Was yeah, was wonderful, wonderful. Internet bit. talk on about the, internet on the, access on the plane. Yeah, on the plane. Exactly. He talks about how people complain about the plane. It's like you're in this amazing <laughs> tube that's defying God. You know? <laughs> you're sitting in a chair in yeah. the sky. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, this has been an all over the place show, but it's been a good one. Um, <laughs> This been a fun one. Us, guys. Oh, it's been this our pleasure. It's been our pleasure. So, folks, um, coming up on the site Thursday, we are going to be playing more Evacron Legacy. What a shock! I know. Uh, we were originally going to play Starfleet Command too, but then this shit hit the hit. This shit hit, and we're like, nope, <laughs> we're pushing that shit back. 
And we're going to be playing multiplayer Evacron Legacy um, this this uh, Thursday. And then, guys, do you remember who we're having on next Tuesday? Because I am blanking. Who are we having on next well, Tuesday? Trello. Um, oh, Tharsis. That's going to be fun oh, yes. for me. Having the developers of Tharsis on next week. And I'm going to have I to wonder... explain to them how their game that's fucking my mind up. It's my anxiety about crew management games that kills me every time. I wonder if we can make it through the podcast without somebody having to eat somebody else. Oh, that'll be that that'll be fun. We've we never actually just, like, had cannibalism on the air before. We it's like it's only one. a dice roll away. Guys, you you need to get a bunch of dice and a cup and just roll them randomly at every every now and then and then just slowly build me into a panic attack as the show goes on. That that's what we need to do for that podcast. Yeah, have you guys seen Tharsis? Because, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's like, uh, we're on the way to Mars, it's a nice Sunday drive, oh god, everything broke. And, yeah, yeah and the, 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 the dice VR hate you. Yeah, I've seen a let's play of it. It's terrifying. It's, I, I, can't, I can't handle games like this, apparently. Well, it's, it's like rage-inducing until you figure out that, oh yeah, this is like Vegas, right? Like I need to think about odds and start counting cards, and then I can I can mitigate risk, right? It's it, you know you build acceptable risk. But I screwed up because I got obsessed with oh god I got to put out all the fires, and and it's the thing of like you know if you don't like let the ship burn a little bit and go down there and make a sandwich instead, then you're <laughs> not going to be able to put out fires next turn at all. Exactly so, right. Yeah, it's it's exactly a weird. Right. It 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 goes after my OCD. Like, must put out all the fires. So yeah, that's my so that's problem. so folks. That's who we're talking to next week. Is is the developers of Tharsis, and I'm gonna. It's gonna be fun for me. It's gonna be real fun for me. So uh, just play some FTL to calm down before the show. Oh yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I should do. Is play some FTL or maybe Dead or some, Space or some, or some XCOM or some XCOM. That's why I need to play some XCOM. It does the same thing. It does the exact same thing with me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, guys, Sven, James, thank you so much thank for you. joining us. Again, guys, folks, the, game's, the game is Stars in Shadow. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying that, because I want to pluralize both things. Stars in Shadow. Um, and uh, you can find it at starsinshadow.com. Uh, it's you. It's a it's a buy-in beta. I think we were talking about that. It's a buy-in beta, kind of sort of right now. You can like pre-order you, the game. You can pre-order the, the game, game, and you will eventually you, get into the beta. Uh, yeah, you can buy. It, you can pre-order it, and eventually get into the beta once they feel it's ready to show more people. Well, it, it, it's actually automatic. It's evolved. Right. Oh. It is now really just an early access system where if if, if you oh. buy it, we send you a download link, and you have it. Um, but um, yeah, it's oh, not the, on Steam yet, and we're not right. pushing it. Yeah, oh, so and the updater works really great. I really like that. That's really just a nice integrated thing. I gotta say, I like that a lot. I'm, I'm glad that that took more time. Does than want... should have? Well, no, it's great because I've been playing some older games lately. It's like who wants to manually patch anything anymore? Yeah, like yeah. I hate I mean, waiting for the magazine for to show active, up. Active development. I think you really want auto patching because yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, what a mess it would be if. Um, if I had people who had like twelve different versions of the build, all trying to report bugs on the forum, right? That would, that would be a disaster. Exactly, and like that's why I'm so good. GOG finally launched that Galaxy thing of theirs because that just does that. Yeah, and then great. you don't have to worry. Like, am I on the current or not? You know, yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, no, it, it's possible to not be on current. There are there are if you read the game's README files, you can discover there are command line options that will stop it from updating. Um, but um, mm. unless you are hardcore enough to do that, um, or unless you keep yourself off the internet, it will automatically update. That's 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 really nice. That's really nice. So yeah, we're right. So thanks for uh, joining us, folks. Folks on the internet and uh, listening on the podcast. Thanks for uh, listening. Remember, if you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic, you can hit us up at hail the the word h a i l at spacegamejunkie dot com. We're always open to suggestions for topics and guests. I have a suggestion. Oh, what's that, Jim? Can we get David Braben on here? You know, if we can't even get the sound designer for Elite on here, I don't think I know. we're get the... I know. We're, we're just you know why? Because it's elitism. That's why. Oh, and on that note, folks, I'm cutting the stream. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Good night.